my name is Ella, and dad. Huh? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm Ella's dad. Ha ha, dad. <laughs> my name is Ken, but you probably already knew that. If you've heard one of these. I have done 83 of them so far. Wow. I guess 84 now. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. So... We're going to talk about a video game I like to play, and even maybe my cousin May will play tomorrow if Mom lets us. Well. Maybe. The Worlds of Super Mario Bros. If you ever play this. New Super Mario Brothers for the Wii. Well, yeah. Basically. Just filling that in, because there's been a lot of Super Mario Brothers games. So, you know, know, when you say the Worlds of Super Mario Brothers, people might not necessarily know which one you're talking about. Yeah, good point. So, exactly, we're in World 1 right now, which you will start off. Oh, how rude. I forgot to may get the main idea in. Um, so, it's Princess Peach's birthday, and the birthday cake just arrived. And then Bowser? Bowser. Bowser, Bowser just jumps right out of the cake. Doesn't he get icing all over himself? I don't think he cares about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. And then they're just, like, carrying off Princess Peach. And then they throw all these, like, powers all over the world. And he explores all these worlds, world 1 to 8, which you might know if you play it. So I'm going to introduce you to world 1. As you can see, you can hear its music in the background. Yeah, they can't really see. They can only hear. Well, as you can hear, basically. Um, it's meant to be... A great world, and it has many ideas. It's kind of a grassland. Yeah. Here, Dad, I'll give you a map. Yeah, mostly a grassland. Mostly just a mushroom grass castle land? Well, this would be basically like the... The kingdom. The mushroom kingdom, yeah. So, welcome back to another episode of Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug. This is episode 84. And at least at the time that I am saying this, you have got four of us online. Uh, first, we welcome back. Now, oh my gosh, um, Monsieur Le Fox. I cannot remember your dragon name. Is it Balron Dragon? It's Balron Dragon, isn't yes. it? Right. So, we've got yes. Balron Dragon with us. Hi, Balron. Hello, guys. There we go. Uh, <clears throat> Draxanath is also back. Hello. Cue the roar. Or whatever that was. Anyways, um, also joining us again, long lost linguistic dragon. Hello, good sir. Salutations. <laughs> it's been far too long, been far too long. It has indeed. All right. Uh, well, I guess before we dive in, as always, this episode of Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug is brought to you by our Patreon backers. So thank you to everyone who supports the podcast and the Codex by that means. And as always, a hearty, hearty thank you to our Patreon co-producers, Seth, Dominic, Chris, Violation, Adam, Avatars Radio, Eric, Thorwan, Pascal, Neil, Helgraf, Aaron, The Hearth of Britannia, Edward, Stirring Dragon, and Cranberry. 
Um, do I have any new Ultimate Dragons this week? Well, you know what? I think I do. Yes, I do. Uh, so on Facebook, we welcome Jeff, Justin, Tig, and Non. And on Ultimate Dragons uh, on Google+, Plus, we welcome Noncho. So welcome and splut to all. Oh my gosh, I'm so off my game tonight. So, <laughs> uh, well, okay, can you blame me? Um, we'll get to that. Just briefly, Balaron, what's been happening with you lately? I'm happy to say to you all that I finally got employed. Hey, yay, that's good stuff. Spectrum TV now. Really? Cool. Training this week. Hmm. So what is your role at the TV station? Right now I'm uh, learning the system and going to school through it. Cool. Cool. Okay, so what will your role be once that's all done? (laughs) Customer service. Oh, okay. Cool. Taking care of people's bills up there at the front desk and trying to get people sold on some more of our services. Uh, Okay. So you're a, it's a television provider then, not a TV station per se. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm just customer service, bro. Because <laughs> I'm finally working a day job as opposed to a night job. Yeah. Well, and you're a generally cheerful sort, so that should, you know, you got a nice speaking voice. That, that I could see you doing well with that. Appreciate that. Cool. All right. Well, income is better than not income, so this is an excellent thing. Uh, Draxanath, what you been up to? Pure and utter silence. I suspect microphone issues have claimed Draxanath for the time being. Perhaps a drop and rejoin would, uh, would correct this. And in the meantime, Linguistic, what all have you been up to? Because it's been way too long since we've heard from you. <laughs> yes, it has. Um, where to start? Uh... Are you well, still well, on planet Earth? Let's start there. Think so? I mean, okay. last I checked, I was. Good. I mean, I suppose that's a debatable point at some points, but uh, yes. Okay. Just, you've not fallen through any moon gates or anything of that nature? Not that I recall, no. Mm. Um, on the subject of, of employment, though, I did get promoted this week. Ooh. That's always fun. It is. Now, does that mean you'll have even less time to make appearances or more time or the same amount of time, which is to say not uh, much time? Pretty much the same amount of time, really. Oh, dear. (laughs) I was hopeful there, just for a minute. Just for a moment. Well, cool, though. That's good. Congratulations. So, um, yeah. Anything else? Apart from the promotion? Too much Um, to name? (laughs) Well, a couple months back, I got um, back into... Well, I've been writing a lot more by means of something I may or may not have mentioned around here before called Storium. Um, it's it's essentially a online collaborative writing game slash platform, depending on how you want to use it. Um, okay. I like describing it as, as essentially Dungeons and Dragons, except uh, you resolve problems with cards rather than dice rolls. Um, cards being representative of character traits. So your character strengths, their weaknesses, all that sort of thing. And I've been doing a lot of that lately, which has been, uh, it's been nice to get my writing muscles back in order. Wow. Awesome. I will, uh, I will have to check that out. 
Um, you'd probably just heard the door slam in the background, uh, and that is my wife just kind of telling me that I need to intervene to put the kids to bed. So I'm going to make this next part real quick, and then we can kick right into, or you all can kick right into the topic. Um, obviously, uh, we are days, maybe even only hours. I don't really know. It really depends on the baby. But we are very, very close to welcoming the fourth dragonlet into the world, which is an awesome, awesome Aww. thing. Yay! Yes. <laughs> Consequently, um, that's going to mean that this is another one of my fire and forget type episodes. I'm going to have to actually step away from the mic here and just let you all discuss things amongst yourselves. And uh-huh. Oh, there, we got Drax and this audio back, and there's the roar. Thank you kindly. All right, so yeah, um, that's been the big thing. Obviously, haven't had a lot of time for gaming apart from... Uh, Pokemon Magikarp Jump, which I'm ashamed to say I really quite enjoy. It actually has very... I'm, I'm going to actually do this in a... I have a, a new little project I'm going to start for Spam 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 Humbug probably in the next week or so. And that'll probably be the first thing I talk about um, in that little new project. So, yeah, we'll look forward to talking about that later. I'm not going to get into that tonight. Uh, what are we getting into tonight? Yeah. <laughs> what are we getting into tonight? Well, um, there are a few works of written fiction that have been based on the Ultima series, both official novels and fan efforts. And I will leave it up to those of you who are here to really discuss this. I mean, I know Linguistic, you logged into the show notes, so you saw uh, like the different references to the Ultima Saga, Technocrat War. I do want to just quickly lead in with what Golden Flame Dragon had to say, because he's not here yet. And he says... Uh, well, he wrote a little contribution up, uh, just in case he couldn't make it. And if he pops in, he'll probably repeat and expand on all of this. But here is his lead-in. The way I see it, I divide Ultima Fiction, uh, written based on the series, into five categories. Six, if I want to be snarky and say that Ultima 9 was clearly just fiction based on Ultima. They are... Uh, <laughs> one, and outside the scope of what it. was meant to be talked about... Things like the Hobloth and the Festival of the Silver Serpent, which tell one-time interactive Ultima-based stories. Okay, fair enough. So category one is, um, you know, stuff that we make up on the go. The, the, the live-action LARPing of Ultima, basically. Two, professional novels, which are the Lynn Abbey, Forge of Virtue, Temper of Wisdom series, and then the Technocrat War by Austin Andrews. Both are surprisingly good. Three, somewhere in between novels and fanfic, the uh, story lit. The story that's published based on UO, so when Lord British left that universe, um, meant to help lay the groundwork towards UO2, also surprisingly excellent. And to that, I might actually add the current crop of UO-related fiction, which is uh, mostly penned by E.M. Malachi. You can find it uh, not infrequently on UO.com. Category four, good Ultima fanfic, which... uh, by which I mean things like The Tale of Captain John and anything by Shadow of Light Dragon. Seriously, go read The Dark Realm and The Black Ankh. I'd like to think that maybe my own overly long Ultima tapestries would fall into this category, but alas, to my knowledge, no one has read it. And then five, bad Ultima fanfic, by which I mean most of it, as is true in any fandom. I'd love to say more, but I'm a disembodied voice who is making it less and less likely that he'll make it in time to attend by spending time writing this. And on that basis, I too must depart. Have at it amongst yourselves. Well, for starters, I'm starting to. Honestly, I started on Temper of Wisdom back a few months ago. Didn't take the effort to read it more. So I couldn't get back into it. So I forgot I lost my place where I was in the book. So I had to start it over. But 
I put that one down to start reading Sword of Midras because I got that back on Christmas. And so far, it's looking like a pretty good book. The action starts right away. Empire, the Obsidian Empire, creates monsters from humans. And the main character, Canyon, have just found an Avatar's blade. And that's where I am at it. It's well written so far. I can't wait to read the rest of it. I'm seriously bringing it to work with me to read on my breaks and lunch. <laughs> you know, I haven't actually picked up sort of Midras proper. I mean, not the not the published version because I I got chapters of it as they came out from from being a backer of Shroud. And weirdly enough, it's the one I've read most recently and also the one I remember the least about, which really Yes, but I'm sorry, what was that? Don't spoil it for me. <laughs> Uh, no worries there. I don't really remember how most of it went. I do remember enjoying it while I read it, though. Then any of y'all got the, uh, I know you probably don't understand Japanese, but any of y'all got the Ultima mangas? I happen to have bought all four. I have not. <laughs> I bought all four of them back in uh, 2013 or 12 or 2013. ATH Dragon, believe it or not. Well, I don't, I have read some of the fan fiction. I remember reading stuff from uh, from Ultima Seven Serpent Isle. It was the aftermath on the companion side, but and I have read a few others. But the quality it uh, it varies very much from work to work. Oh, as it's bound to, because you've got people at different levels of writing skill actually doing it. <laughs> this is the part where I dig around on my bookshelf for my copies mm-hmm. of the Ultima Saga. Uh, all I have is the, the book of Ultima, <laughs> which is a sort of, well, you can say it's a sort of fan fiction because the walkthroughs are actually sort of narrative. I, oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, it took me a while for it to click, but yes, Avatar Adventures. I, I, I have enjoyed reading those. They're, I mean, yeah, they're very obviously walkthroughs because some of them get on the, on the, um, on the, first you go this way and then you turn this way and then you go this way and then you do uh, this. No, but, not, um, exactly a, not exactly a walkthrough. The one from the Book of Ultima, the official book of Ultima by Shay Adams. There's there's a section which is the solutions for Ultima One to Ultima Sec Ultima Six, and it's actually narrated. For example, for Ultima One, it says how Alfred from Shivagan slew mundane the mundane. Okay, I'm trying to keep all these straight because there's yeah. that one and then there's and then there's I think the Master Ultima one which also does narrative quote unquote walkthroughs yeah. which yeah. are a little different yeah, and one. then there's the Avatar Adventures which ta- is another take but um yeah. but yeah, um mm-hmm. yeah, that's I don't remember those ones very well. I mean, I've read all of them at some point, but um they're interesting reads because, yeah, they're done narratively, so it feels more like a story. Although, in some points, they get kind of silly because because they're a little too directly to make us feel 
properly narrative for my taste, if that makes any sense. Here it reads, when Alfred accepted Lord British's quest to exterminate Mundane, Shiboyan's best travel agent faced the first of many decisions, whether to enter those lands as a fighter, mage, cleric, or thief. His intuition told him that mages and clerics, with a greater variety of magic spells upon which to draw during the adventure, would be most effective character class. But then again, he pondered, a fighter's ability to wield any weapon and don any armor might give him a valuable edge in combat. Hesitating, Alfred consulted his oracles and considered the thief's natural ability for stealing food, weapons, and other gear from the shops in each town and castle, wondering if this would be his best choice. Realizing the judicious use of the magical saving option would effectively grant any character class the same ability, he finally determined that it mattered not which class he chose. For even though each class possessed unique advantages and weaknesses, any of them would handily complete the quest. So in the end, he flipped a coin of the realm, one of those rare four-sided coins, of course and let chance choose for him. A dwarf fighter he became. From that day hence, he, then came the matter of allotting points among the various abilities. Since he correctly suspected the adventure would offer ways to raise each ability during his jaunts across Cesaria, he divided them upon as evenly as possible, assigning a few extra ones, however, to agility, in order to improve his chances of landing a blow on opponents during battle. And that's, that's, and yeah, that kind of demonstrates what I'm getting at because it's, it's very clearly drawing upon to a game, deciding on class, you know, spending, spending uh, the, the stat points, that sort of thing. And while, while it's, it's nice to see takes on the Ultima games more in a story-like format, I feel like the official ones that are out there, um, the one in Master Ultima, the one in um, the official book of Ultima, rely a little too heavy aspects of it in order to make it feel story-ish enough to me. I mean, I think the Avatar Adventures one is the one who, that gets closest to it for me, but it doesn't quite feel story-esque. Well. Although I'll admit, it does it does lead to some nice moments. I mean, there's a bit in um, the Avatar Adventures where where it's it's going through destroying the shards um, to defeat the Shadow Lords, and um, I don't remember which shard it is, but I remember pull it, the Avatar pulling out the shard, and as he touches it, he gets you know this overwhelming wave of whatever anti-principle the shard is for and it's it's a it's a small little moment but i remember it sticking with me because that's or um, or create stories and stuff about their gameplay their experiences and, and such well, that's that's what uh, that's what's nice about some of the the more 
professionally done stuff like the Ultima Saga, which um, is set um, toward the beginning of of Blackthorn's Blackthorn's uh, rule after Lord British's disappearance, and it's it's good. Uh, the Ultima uh, the Ultima Saga novels are good. I wouldn't necessarily call them great, but um, into how the quest of the Avatar and and Blackthorn's rise to power would feel as it happens in an actual novel. The way the way Lynn Abbey writes it, I have some issues in some places with her writing, but but overall, it's a very interesting sense of setting and it really does bring some facets of Britannian life to, to to life in ways that the games can't really get across because it's a different format. I mean I hang on about it all the time here that you have to and approaching Ultima from a novel perspective using that medium brings out a lot more about it that you don't necessarily get a chance to see much of in the games themselves. Yeah, there's a, a lot of things that games such as Ultima leave behind on, on the manuals. or the, man, the manuals for those games try to give you an idea of, of their society, their culture, and the, the games try to be consistent on it. But certainly when there's a novel or a variety, uh, with a much deeper narrative that that mm, makes a, a whole a lot of difference. Well, yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hello, Vanzilla. I haven't really researched it myself, but how many Ultima novels are there? Um, there. Adventures. Uh, it depends on how you define it. Uh, there are two. Um. Two novels by Lynn Abbey. Um, a third was planned, but um, never actually published. Um, Forge of Virtue and Temper of Wisdom. Um, and then there are three books by Austin Andrews, um, the Technocrat War trilogy. Um, I don't remember their names off the top of my head, but they are essentially the backstory for what would have been Ultima Online 2. Um, and those are amazing. Um, I, I, I've only read those once. But um, I remember being pleasantly surprised with um, how well they were written and how well thought out they were. It was interesting read, and I really should get around to rereading those. Um, there's the Sword of Midras um, for Shroud of the Avatar, of course. And then there's um, the Avatar Adventures and more Avatar Adventures, which are except they're done in a narrative style. So it, it reads like a story in some places, although um, although it is very much um, a walkthrough at heart. Um, Avatar Adventures covers um, four through six, and more Avatar Adventures covers um, seven and the first Ultima Underworld, if I remember correctly. And there are the Japanese manga. There are those, yes. Um, I'm less familiar with those, though, so I don't have as much to say in them. The mangas have Ooh. been translated online. Some of them, yes. There's Explore Print. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, um... There's a what? A Richard Garriott's autobiography. 
which I suppose is less directly Ultima Fiction, but still tangentially related. And wasn't somebody doing a comic book? Um, I think I, so. I remember, I remember someone was writing a... It, it was, yeah, it was a sort of comic book. It started with the murder of the blacksmith. Uh, it was for Ultima 7, the black gate. Really? I've seen, I've seen one for Ultima 7, yeah, and I think the same guy is currently working on one for Ultima 1. Yeah, The Lost King. In my head, because I'm trying to find the webcomic online. Oh, I know one of the dragons is see if I find it. Yes. Ultima 7, the comic, by Damien Barbon. Yep. It's on the Ultima Codex. I'm pasting it to the Linkage channel. Back in 2006, amateur French artist Damien Barbon created an impressive Ultima 7 comic that followed the Avatar's entire journey to stop the Fellowship. Unfortunately, the sands of time have taken their toll and this comic is no longer available on the internet. Damien has since gone on to become a professional artist and has given us permission to host the comic here on the Codex. Oh, all right. An 81-page PDF document. Ah, there we go. Sorry, I've been poking through my copy of Forge of Virtue looking for um, a good selection. 230 megabytes. Well, we that are so talkative and we fall silent to this topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of do want to bring up how I first came across um, the Ultima Saga novels because I was not expecting them when I saw them. But uh, I was browsing in a uh, used bookstore. And I was browsing the sci-fi fantasy section as I was wont to do. And I pass by and I catch a title that says The Forge of Virtue. And I pause for a moment and I go, oh, hey, that's like Ultima 7's expansion. I wonder if it's related. And I pull it out and it both is and isn't because it has absolutely nothing to do with Ultima 7, but it's still an Ultima related novel. And then I read the synopsis on the back and I discovered the main character's name was my name. So I'm like, oh, I'm sold. I got to get this right here, right now. Nope, not, not hesitating. Getting it right now. I'm still waiting for this thing to load up. <laughs> It'd be nice to look at it if it takes so long, but it is thunderstorming over where I am. So probably the signals are going a little bit. I only got Someone cast a quick, uh, what is it? What is it? Rel here? So what? Did somebody get somebody cast a, a quick uh, Rel here spell over there? Change ways. <laughs> get it to blow out of there. Oh, hey. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Okay, I guess it's hard to talk about uh, about this specific subject and novels and 
in concrete and I think we will have to extrapolate into into a somewhat related topic. Quite possible. I don't know. It looks pretty cool. Read a mountain time here. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had a look at it myself. I remember enjoying the art and the the take on the story, but um, um my 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 inner grammar nerd did have a little a uh, few with it, but <laughs> yeah, that's because the author is French. Exactly. Yeah, I can tell by the grammar. Consistent with this one, I started on mine. I did a small little thing on my own. Uh, I tried to follow in the wake of the manga when I found out there was one before I got the mangas. I did a version of the Avatar as a Time Lord, but he wasn't called the Avatar. He's just called the Time Lord. Uh, Matrixy with a Buster Sword, and his one of his weapons is the Triangle from the first Ultima. <laughs> I took uh, my cues from playing the first three, the sketches for it. Oh, maybe you should give it another look one of these days. I have a sketch notebook that I did it on. In my second year of college, I made one where I introduced it to them, and they liked the first three, where you can fly around in space and you have. That's possible. You like bash your shit. You bash somebody with it, but it prevented you from getting paralyzed by the demons. The map. <laughs> and what it had is is uh, the main character who was not called the Avatar, but was himself the legendary Star Walker, Order of the Blue Tassel. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. And let's see. He fought against Mondane and Minax. Have taken over the earth. He works with Father Antos, and it'll be the job of the heroes in the story to go back to Earth through all the nine planets, fighting off these uh what? The, the names were suggested to me by friends. Like a Balron that he fights that's inside of this gigantic space with hands and a visor that's floating through space to Planet X that was created by Mondane and Minax. Why not Kilrathi? Maybe in the future. Well, I did mistake the fuzzies for being Kilrathi. Idea, I drew the fuzzies as being the, not the Kilrathi, but the other ones. The Kilrathi are the war ones. And then there's the other kind of Kilrathi that are the peaceful ones from Wing Commander, if I remember right. Or they're like the lower status Kilrathi. Reminds me, I got my hands on a Wing Commander 3 novel. From a pawn store. Oh, interesting. I didn't even know they had those. Then they have a Wing Commander 3 novel. I guess it's a rarity because I happened upon it in a um, The Heart of the Tiger, told in the form of the novel. Well, the obvious follow-up question is, have you read it yet? No. Aw, then you can't tell me if it's any good. Then I'll make an effort to read it. <laughs> I went and grabbed my sketchbook to see what I named those things. Okay. So what I named the giant metal space monster, Robo Astro, 
inside monsters like the Balron that's being controlled by it. There's this character in the uh, second Ultima game called the Subdued Balron that's in one of the dungeons that tells you how to get to meet Father Antos or go to Planet right. X or something like that. Yep. And he is known as the Flaming Robo Nightmare. <laughs> and my dorkly little comic idea. I've improved my skills as an artist. I could carry it out. That reminds me. I think I have something of my own lying around here somewhere. Um, I mentioned um, during the pre-rabble for this, because, um, well, every November, something happens called the uh, NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, for like the past decade or so. But the idea is to write 50,000 words worth of a novel in, uh, in the month of November. And a couple of years yeah. back, I attempted to do a novelization of sorts of Ultima One, which didn't work very well, but it was interesting to say the least. But it has given me some ideas of how I'd actually approach it better. I have to mess with that at some point. Well, I have been writing stuff of my own and some of it inspired by Ultima. Might not be evident uh, from the beginning, but as one gets deeper on the on the reading and one starts getting references and stuff, I guess uh, people uh, as I start publishing a game or releasing some demos, it might start to show up. Did somebody holler for me? Stepped away for a second. Holler. Can you hear me? Yay, we have a golden flame. Hey, not for for super long, probably, but uh, briefly from... We'll take what we can get. From up north. Not as far north as linguistic. (laughs) Has has today been another uh, press record and run, or... Yep, it's a press record and run. So, uh, so, so what did I miss? But that, uh, well, you can always just let uh, Kenneth edit it out if it's too repetitious for people. Yeah, we we mostly out there as far as Ultima Fiction goes. A um, little bit of my opinion on how some of them have been written. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to back when this one's published and go back and listen to that. Um, I did type up a thing for Kenneth to read if I wasn't here, but... Yeah, uh, he, he read that right off the bat. Okay, well, I will note that I, as usual, completely forgot things like the comics and manga and such when I created my little divisions of what have and have not existed and counted. <laughs> it's always more that you don't think of. Yeah, and I've I've never read any of those, so probably why it didn't come to mind. So was I interrupting uh, a train of of conversation, or was it kind of in a lull? Not really. You came in during a lull. I've been silent most of the most of the recording. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Here it is. Ah, I found it. What were you looking for? Sketches to an old idea I had for a comic I actually wanted to do of Ultima. Like, I drew a bunch of these doodles on a piece of notebook that I had that was uh, that's 
almost been torn apart, but it's still in good condition. Note that I've got the sketches. Oh, so yeah. Well, you can't take pictures with a laptop like this, so, or take a picture of it. So, which things were you uh, giving your opinion about linguistic? Um, mostly the Ultima Saga, on account of that's what I'm kind of most familiar with, apart from the stuff that straddles the line between walkthrough and fiction. The, the um, Avatar Adventures and all that good stuff. Right, sure. So you mean the, the Lynn Abbey books? Yes. Uh, one thing that uh, is... Uh, at least adjacent relevance to the discussion is that among the other things that I do, I am also the host and part maintainer for the Dragon Press, the website that hosts the majority of Ultima Dragon uh, fan fiction, though not uh, not the real published stuff. We'll have to make sure we get a link to that in the uh, in the show notes. There is some Pretty- good stuff on there. I really do need to get a better uh, domain name right now. It's just a subdomain on a completely unrelated thing. I should I should just get <laughs> Kenneth I should just get Kenneth to make Dragon Press that Ultima Codex point to to my thing. Then people can find it. There's a thought. There is there is some really good stuff on there. Uh, my, my favorites of which, of course, I, I called out in the thing I asked. I sent. Uh, Kenneth to read in case I was here. Oh, there was one I read on there a while back. I don't remember. I don't remember what what its name was. I don't remember who wrote it. All I remember was that it featured um, Jimmy Malone from Savage Empire having an adventure in uh, in Britannia of his own, which I don't remember a whole lot about how the plot went, but I do remember finding it. I was surprisingly interested in how everything went down. It was well written. It was interesting to see someone else's take on on a on a character from a semi obscure spinoff. It was it was the spotlight a little more. I'm not familiar with that one. I'm gonna search. Uh... Uh, the journalist in the sea. That sounds right. Yes. Blue claw. Because it was a mostly the uh, naval adventure. Yeah, that's. Uh, that is the only match on the Dragon Press uh, table of contents page for Malone. <laughs> Somehow that doesn't surprise me. Uh, Blue claw has a number of stories up here. I'll have to check them out. Yes, that's a good one. Um, The Houston one. That's the other one. I can never remember. Uh, Yeah, Ultima 7 The Return is by Houston Dragon, who has participated in these uh, recordings once or twice. um, And was actually the main inspiration for um, the big fanfic that I wound up writing, (laughs) uh, where I also talk about how the companions get home from Serpent Isle. 
That's pretty cool. I gotta find that. I'm curious to know how they got out of Surfer now. Yeah. Well, uh, I will put in the link. Dragon Press. Dragon Press. There we go. There's the link for uh, the the whole archive. Um, my money, yeah. Uh, Ultimate Seven, The Return, basically anything by Shadow of Light, and of course, uh, um, the Tale of Captain John, as you know, as good as what you might spend money to uh, to read. Uh, well, maybe a better picture. Well, if we talk about uh, fan fiction and and writings inspired by fans, I think I should mention that from the game project I've been working on, the one for which I did a lot of world building, I create a whole world and a lot of story. Well, there's uh, there are several things that I that I created by, based on Ultimate and inspired by it. One of those is uh, there are uh, platforms, pretty much like the Serpent Gates from Ultima Seven Serpent Isle, and there's the the unbreakable material. The like the black rock, uh, black material which is resistant to magic and uh, pretty much impossible to break through re- through regular means. And I gave it some background on what it really is and its origins and many other things. Let's see if I can put this in here. Hope you all can see this. So has anyone here read um, The Technocrat War? Yes! Yes, I have. I have not. Which one? The uh, Technocrat War trilogy. It was going to be the bridge between the world of UO and the world of UO2, and then UO2 got cancelled. But for all of that, it is surprisingly uh, well done, and I actually thought it was pretty good. Yeah, as did I. I'm, I've only read them once, and I don't remember a whole lot about you know, specific plot details and all that good stuff. But I do remember being surprisingly impressed. In fact, I think I liked the writing in them better than I did the Ultima Saga. <laughs> haven't read those within, you know, five years of each other, so I'm not sure the comparison. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I liked the characters. I really enjoyed uh, the battle between the Britannian Archmage and Blackthorn. I thought that was fantastic. Blackthorn's in that uh, book? The, the Blackthorn of UO, where he was Lord British's friend but opposed to his plan to try to reunify the shards uh and then wound up uh this insane half robotic golem half powerful wizard thing he that, was un- that 
the later UO expansions made him just a villain, but in this, he was really more just really powerful and really broken. He was, uh, he was, uh, he had a, I forget what it's called, but it was like a floaty body with a, looked like a gun arm or a claw or something. And it was drawn in the style of Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Cause Todd McFarlane did That's something the art style for a lot of this stuff that was going to be in UO too. And there was a little, uh, plastic figure of this Blackthorn that uh, came with one of the, the, the Lord Blackthorn's revenge. I remember here. I just don't remember. Like, it's all the details. They were, like, making one called Third Dawn, and it was a female avatar on the cover. Yep, that was another of Yo's expansions. I don't, I don't remember the order so well. <laughs> just check on Wikipedia. There's so yeah. many of them. I wish I could have played UO when it was in Classic. And then in addition to those, there were some really short stories that got published on the UO website. And also surprisingly good. They kind of fill the gap between UO and the Technocrat War. Including the bit that I liked, particularly just because it was such a good callback. Um, but uh, where, uh, you know, Lord British is trying to cast this spell to reunify the shards and it goes horribly, horribly wrong, which is what was going to lead to the sort of past, present, future merged world of UO2. Um, and Lord British, you know, dies in the casting, which was their way of excising him from the game when Richard parted ways with EA and kept the rights to Lord British, but not the rights to Ultima. And so, you know, he dies in the casting and then his spirit encounters the Time Lord who tells him that, you know, it's going to go on to other worlds to help them. But then there's a reference to him being known in Britannia now as the Lost King, which is great because all the way back in Ultima 1, that was the other king on the that same was, continent as Lord British. It was. So I was particularly tickled by the, that they went through the effort to, to add that particular, you know, that um, obvious respect for, for ultimate lore. That is nice. Cool. Let's see. In me and my otaku days, I started actually getting up on this idea. X, just to talk about Ultima 2, the idea that I drew in is that the shards that she has on her necklace, like in the uh, second game where she's wearing that necklace, they become kind of like wings. Neat. I'll have to uh, see it. And I can link these in the show notes so uh, people listening don't wonder what we're on about. But uh, I, for one, should not stick around for very much longer. It's, uh, I have come up to visit people and should not entirely just blow them off by being here, but I had wanted <laughs> to participate in this topic. Well, it's good to have you, even if it's just for a little bit. It's good to hear from you. I will see y'all next time, however long that is. And, uh, did you link to that, uh, fiction? I put a link in the linkage channel to the Dragon Press. I did not link to any specific story in there, but you can search through and you can find 
some, like I said, the, the look for Shadow of Light and or Houston Dragon for the, uh, the ones that were my favorites or check for Golden Flame Dragon and look at the gigantic one that uh, uh, nobody's read as far as I know. All right. But uh, yeah, uh, good to see y'all. Uh, Kenneth in absentia. I hope that, uh, that by the time you go and edit and hear this, that you are uh, once again a father. But uh, I will catch all y'all later. Catch you on the flip side. Yeah, and remember, B looks at watch virtuous. <laughs> I was going to say be vigilant. One of these days I'm going to remember how I figured out. One of these days I'm going to remember how to say that in Gargish. <laughs> nice. I had nice it written time. down somewhere and now I've forgotten again. And, and, and here's my dorkly version of Mondane. Ah, nice. That thing he has, he's got a Magneto helmet on. And that thing in that he's like got his hands hovering around is that gem of immortality. Because it's not mundane without one of those. That's, uh, but they wouldn't be the final bosses of the manga. One and two take place in space. This is the last thing that the heroes fight. As uh, instead of it being Exodus, of mundane and Minax's uh, demonic genius. Still defeated with punch cards or? No, they actually have a space battle. That's considerably more epic sounding. Well, they would have. On the uh, ultimate campaign I, I ran a long time see. ago, it was with CDs. CDs? Yeah. You ran a campaign? What, like tabletop campaign? Yeah. From Ultima 1 through Ultima 3. Then it wouldn't have the philosophies of Ultima involved in it. It's just, you know, good guys versus bad guys. You gotta go fight the big evil somebody. <laughs> so out here, it makes me want to try to actually rework this. <laughs> this is not too late, though. Because I'm actually doing graphic design work now with the wifey. See, there you go. Digital painting skills. I'm proving my digital painting skills. Here to said my first Ultima, my first comic I thought would be an Ultima comic. So, um, speaking of which, I have the fortune of saying I actually did one. So, um, in Louisville, I work with the Louisville Cartoonist Society. I've done my first publication in Louisville. Uh, we're doing an anthology here, next Derby Comic Con or possibly Fandom Fest late in July or possibly October, depending on how long it takes the publisher to work it. Then. My comic is about an uh, actual incident that happened here in Kentucky. Green Man incident. Uh, it happened in my wife's hometown in Hopkinsville. Uh, this family, these two families were visited possibly by aliens. And uh, it was uh, resulted in a 12-hour shootout where the oldest two, where the dad and the oldest brother of the family thought they were shooting at little green men. And though the police and FBI were called, the neighbors were disturbed, they thought that the family was drunk. When they were making claims to have seen lights in the sky and little green men trying to assault them, never found out what happened. But it's one of the most famous alien encounters in the United States. 
It's not my greatest work, but it'll be my first. <laughs> Everybody's got to start somewhere. I called it uh, Aliens Up Shonder. Okay, so let's see all what I missed. Then somebody, uh, was it Jackson F? Uh, Campaign where he defeated Exodus with with CDs? Hmm? You said you created a campaign? Yeah. Considered that Ultima could ever be a tabletop game? That's something I wish that would have uh, have, uh, happened in the time that Ultima was popular. Well, they Uh, did develop a couple of those. I mean, they never marketed it. But there was a Britannia third edition, which is based on which uses uh, Dungeons and Dragons third edition as base, and there is the Ultima role playing game created by Quill Dragon, uh, which I play tested several times. And um, I saw that I wasn't I I wasn't completely satisfied. I thought it. It depended too much on calculators. Uh, it's not uh, so as easy and straightforward as Dungeons and Dragons, which is just addition and subtraction. I saw that. I didn't know how it was played, though. That me not, not being up, on, me not being up on social media and everything. I wondered uh, who was working on that project. Was it based on Ultima 7, or is that a completely different project? Because I remember one of the dragons had created one where they actually made the Guardian Head, and they had the Avatar and Companions, and they had the whole map of Britannia, and you had the Fellowship coins. And right, the well, now we're getting into, like, multiple different projects. So the one you're talking about there was probably <laughs> the Blackgate board game, which was I being see. developed by... Well, now they're known as Iron Oak Games. And they're no longer developing it. They're, they took a lot of the systems that they had... Because des- what they started is, they started as the board game, the Blackgate board game. And then they tried to make a Unity version of it. And then they took a lot of the systems that they had built for the Unity version and started work on their own game called For the King. And that's what they're working on now. It was on Kickstarter, successfully crowdfunded. And now it's coming out... Uh, What's in early release already on Steam. It's on early access. And it's also coming to PlayStation and Xbox, I believe. Um, fun little game. Kind of difficult, though, I find. But uh, fun little game. Hey, that's For the awesome. King. So check it out. Um, I'll see. If it comes out on uh, console, I'll definitely get it, knowing that it's made by one of the dragons. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, you know, funnily enough, actually, my wife's cousin is very good friends with the guy. He, he was actually the one who told me about the uh, project initially. Um, we were at like a Thanksgiving party, a family Thanksgiving party. And he's like, oh, hey, yeah, you were on the Ultima website. You know, a friend of mine's a really big Ultima fan. He's trying to make a board game. And I'm like, uh, go on. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, just trying to think here. There is another board game. Uh, it's an Ultima 1-based board game. It is... Complete, complete-ish, and it's available from, I want to say, boardgamegeek.com. I have, like, some downloads at the Codex as well, but I think the full publication is at Board Game Geek, if I'm not mistaken. Um, board Game. Yeah. Anyways, Ultima 1, the board game, it also exists. Um, but then separate to that, there were a couple of tabletop games, uh, like more in the D&D style, that were developed around Ultima. I think the most well-known one, and this is not particularly well-known because, of course, neither of these was ever released, but the most well-known one, at least in terms of rumor or, you know, uh, having seen the occasional photograph of what materials exist in someone's collection, 
is the Savage Empire tabletop. Um, Savage Empire? Savage Empire, based on the Worlds of Ultima game. The one set in Eodon with all the dinosaurs and stuff. So uh, I believe that... Gosh, who had that one? Rhea Shelley had that one, I think, in his collection for a while, but I believe he sold it off. So that is... um, That's kind of the extent of what's out there for Ultima-derived... non-video games and i think over the years there have been like a few other attempts to put together you know pen and paper game systems based on ultima but mostly just you know adaptations of other rule sets um to varying degrees of success actually hang on a minute i could be i could be completely wrong about this i now have to go and look because oh my gosh um yeah i might be wrong here hang on (sighs) codex i don't even know where that would be where would that be Hmm. just trying to think because there was now that i really think about it another one that came out or another one that was being worked on ah yes ultima resurrection that's the one i was thinking of so what is Ultima Resurrection? Let me just pull up that particular project entry here. This is one I tripped over um, within the last year, I believe. I can't remember who is developing it. Um, right, it's by Resurrection Dragon, that would follow. <laughs> so, uh, and actually, in a way... This is not a new thing, okay? So back in about 1998, um, shortly after the release of Ultima Online, Resurrection Dragon um, took it upon himself to basically create or lay down the framework for a tabletop RPG based on lore and universe of the Ultima series. And um, he posted the initial rule set that he came up with online, uh, which, you know, it attracted a small community of fans, testers, players, um, Quill Dragon and Risbon uh, were particularly active members of the community, and they wrote new content for the game during their time playing it. However, around 2004, the uh, free service that was being used to host the website for Resurrection was taken offline, and the game's files became, uh, shall we say, difficult to obtain, and by difficult I mean nigh on impossible. However, in 2016, Resurrection Dragon found actually some old copies of the documentation on like a hard drive or some diskettes or something and he set up a new website to host them um he's made some revisions to the document since 2004 um so yeah you can find two rule books one for the base game and one for the player written age of shadows expansion so kind of based on uo lore um and actually, uh, so if you go to inspired.ultimacodex.com slash ultima-resurrection, you can find the download there. So that's the two rule books, and then also like sample character sheets, quick reference card, bestiary, and other supplementary information. Um, so that is another tabletop RPG that exists based on Ultima. Fan-made work right there. Wow. Awesome. And there's Britannia 3E, which I pasted the link on it. It's based on the Age of Enlightenment, specifically Ultima Four, includes a rich history, geography, the major cities and towns, including data like populations, uh, the demographics on in terms of races, the most common races, uh, player character races, um, 
those inhabitants. The, the prestige classes associated with each town. Um, there's also the, the list of monsters, the spell lists for each class. There are the descriptions of the typical character classes. It includes things from from several books, including the core rule books. Okay, so this is based on Dungeons and Dragons rule set or AD and D three, then I guess, huh? Uh oh, he's lapped. She has lapsed into silence. At any rate, I was actually not previously aware of this project, so I'm looking forward to checking it out a little bit more here. Um, or I've just completely lost my mind. No, no, that seems to be good. <sighs> One three point five book. There we go. Sorry, Based I dropped out there for a minute. Dragon. Oh. Hello. Yeah, that's that's what I mean for a revised third edition. The three point five. So it's easily converted to three point five or Pathfinder. Oh, cool. I'm totally going to save this to hmm. that because I was actually not aware of this project, so that's worth publicizing. I don't suppose any of you all have ever played Rifts. Think Ultima is Rifts worthy, or would that be too complicated? <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with the, with the uh, game, so couldn't really comment. I like the sound of it, but... <laughs> Mega damage. Rifts games use... Six or seven dice and commit to a system called MDC, Mega Damage System. Anything you want, kind of like GURPS, and that you can be um, human, but you're giant, uh, riding in giant mechs because composed of high technology, but is hateful and prejudiced toward Riftborn monsters in genocidal ways, kind of almost Hitlerian. Well... I guess you system. could adapt that to like a pre-Ultima 6 Britannia versus Gargoyles um, tension. That's but, not a bad idea. You know, just a thought that I maybe had. And any of y'all DMs? <laughs> no, you know, I think I've played a grand total of about three games of tabletop in my life. Um, Which is three more than I've done. <laughs> <laughs> Today I learned. I've never done I have a lot of them. I'm actually, um, I have a an ongoing campaign right now using Newton's Masterminds rule set. And previous to that, I was running a campaign using Pathfinder with the with the Mythic add-on, which is quite interesting. It's a it's uh, pretty much like epic levels, but done right. It's some um, sort of add-on which you can put there, like uh, kind of like um, add-on which you can remove whenever you want to. So you put the mythic, the mythic rules, to uh, say you want the characters to receive some special favor from a god and become all-powerful, you just activate the mythic rules and the characters get a great boost. But it's uh, it's um, sort of accessory. And after you finish that epic part of the quest or the story, 
the god uh, takes back the power and the characters go back to the way they were before that and it's completely transparent because it it doesn't modify the levels or or anything it's just a sort of accessory to it interesting well i obviously missed almost the entire discussion i have no idea where we are but that's all right um we're all right here we're all right yeah we're fine we're all fine here how are you great you're supposed to say we're sending a squad up (laughs) um i just i love han's face in that scene you know we're fine we're all fine here how are how are you and then he just grimaces (laughs) it's the best well um i am so still no baby we're not in labor but I am going to continue tending to my wife. So on that note, I think I'm going to say the next part, uh, which goes a little something like this. Well, if you like Spam, Spam, Spam Humbug, as random as our topics can be, uh, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ultima Codex. Um, but if the monthly subscription thing isn't your thing, then you can also go to GOG. You can buy your video games at GOG. And I mean, let's face it, this is kind of a video game podcast, even if we didn't talk about video games too, too much in this episode. Um, so hopefully if you're listening to it, you like video games too. Uh, we do also welcome your moral support. However, you can like Ultima on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ultima series, or you can follow at Ultima Codex on Twitter. And of course, on either service, we invite you to share anything that we put out there with your social media circles. If you want to join the Ultima community, ah, well, there, you can go to udic.org to pick and register your very own dragon name. You can also find the Ultima Dragons on Facebook or on Google+. You can follow at Ultima Dragons on Twitter. There's a woefully underused Slack channel, but if you're in a Slack workplace, uh, it certainly wouldn't be a bad ad. There is a Discord server as well. That sees a little bit more activity. Actually, a fair bit more activity. It's usually got a few people on it having discussions about various things. And finally, if you want to get old school and find the dragons in their other unofficial haunt, um, by all means, do check out the Wearmount. You will need a Telnet client. If you want to send us feedback, uh, you can, of course, send us an email, uh, ultimacodex at gmail.com. You can leave us a voice message at podcast.ultimacodex.com, or you can join us in our Discord server. That is where we record these episodes, and we welcome your participation, or if you want to, just come on in and lurk. All righty. Um, let's see. Who are we going first with here? Balron, where can we find you online? Uh, Facebook at Roberto Rivera, and I've changed my name from Balron on Twitter. Uh, it's now Roberto Rivera Creative. This is going to be a professional site for graphic design. Is that your Twitter handle? I thought they were locked at 15 characters. It's R Rivera Creative on Twitter. There we because, go. Because, yeah, wouldn't let me put the whole name, but it says Roberto Rivera Creative. Brilliant. Or Roberto Rivera. So you can find me there. Gotcha. And on DeviantArt at the Balron. So I got quite a few handles. Pinterest now, Roberto Rivera Creative, because I and my wife are trying to combine our uh, website links so we can fulfill doing a small business together from graphic design. That's right. You've been working on that for a while now. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember you mentioning that in a previous episode. That's awesome. All right. Um, Draxneth, how about you? Where can we find you online? 
you can find me on Steam, and also I have a Facebook page, Record of the Dragon Goddess. Brilliant. And Linguistic, how about you? Uh, you can find me at ultimatejourneys.blogspot.com. You can find me on Twitter as Dragon Katea, K-E-T-E-A. Um, you can find me lurking about the uh, the Facebook group and the Discord channel. And yeah. Awesome. And of course, you can find me on Twitter, uh, WTF underscore Dragon. I am on Facebook as well. You can find me at ultimacodex.com because, of course, you can. And there's also an about.me <laughs> landing page. Imagine which, that. Yeah, I know, right? Weird. Um, about.me landing page, which has links to various other of my social media profiles. If you're into scouting, the scouting movement, uh, you can also check out my other podcast, Scouting Stuff, at uh, scoutingstuffpodcast.com. Well, thank you all for participating tonight. I look forward to hearing all of what you had to say when I sit down and edit this thing later. Um, Thank you, everyone out there, for listening. And until next time, be virtuous. Virtuous.